Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. We are on here today because of you, viewers and watchers like you. In order to continue the podcast, we need to monetize our YouTube channel so we can get guests on that require financial compensation. That's where viewers like you come in. If you subscribe today, we can get that number up to 1,000. And as an incentive, the 1,000 subscriber will receive a free t-shirt just like this and receive a book from the legendary George Shire on his Minnesota golden age of wrestling from Vern Ganyu to the Road Warriors, signed by George Shire himself. So please get on there, tell your friends to subscribe today. And when you hit that 1000 mark, you're going to get a t-shirt like this. I'm going to reach out to you. You're going to be coming on the show as a guest and receive that book, the Minnesota's Golden Age of Wrestling from Vern Gagne of the Road Warriors, signed by George Shire. So get on there today, subscribe, and please enjoy the podcast. Did you ever wonder what could have been with the AWA had things gone differently? Had their fortunes gone differently? Had certain wrestlers not left and perhaps more money would have been at the disposal of the Ganyas? Well, wonder no further. You can go to Brad Drake's YouTube channel and experience the 1987 Supermod for yourself. As Brad Drake starts off in May 1987, along with Greg Ganya, Baron Von Rochke, Vern Ganya himself, Nick Bockwinkle, Larry Zabisco, Kurt Hennig, and a slew of others as he plays and saves the AWA. Brian Ferguson. My guest today is one of the best-known Canadian pro wrestlers. He is best known for his time in the WWF with his brother Raymond as the Rougeau brothers, as the Mountie, as one half of the Quebecers with Pierre Houlet. He is a three-time WWF World Tag Team Champion as well as a former WWF Intercontinental Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Jacques Rougeau. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brian. What a great intro. You know, you should be working on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Hey, a little bit. um, You are such a well-known person. And, uh, you know, you and your brother, Raymond, were the Rougeau brothers, working with Jimmy Hart. The fabulous fabulous Rougeaus. You know, I am so glad I was able to get you on here. Uh, it's such an honor. I just want to tell you that up front first. So, well, you know, you're lucky. You know why? Because you know we don't like heavy metal. We don't like rock and roll. All we like to listen to is Barry Manilow. Hey, we're <laughs> <on>. <laughs> <laughs> those oh, are the good days. Huh? Those are the yeah, good days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jacques. If we could, uh, I want to start a bit about about your beginning. You come from a wrestling family. Your dad. Legendary Jacques Rougeau Sr. Talk about what it was like growing up in a wrestling family. I mean, your brother Raymond's a few years older than you, and your brother Armand is a year younger than you. But what was it like growing up in a wrestling family? Well, first of all, my brother Raymond, yes, was older than me. and But my brother Armand was also older than me. A oh, year, he is? Okay. But, I'm he, sorry. But, he was, but he was younger than me in the business. He came okay. in later. 
So Arma okay. wasn't his passion that much. It was mostly like yeah, he decided to do it later on. After okay. his garage, after his garage, mechanical garage didn't work, he decided to become a wrestler. It wasn't his first passion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was amazing to grow up. You know, we're four generations of wrestlers in the family. And, and yeah. you know, like my, my great uncle, Eddie Oje, was a, was a, what a guy. Everybody loved him. And uh, and, and then my, my uncle, Johnny Rougeau, who was so famous in Montreal, like amazing. Mm -hmm. He was a... I know you know about the French, uh, the Quebec, always trying to separate from Canada. And there was, yeah. prime, there was this prime minister, René Lévesque, who was really trying to get that happen. And my uncle Johnny was his right-hand man. He was into politics yeah. a lot. Uh, my uncle Johnny was also president of the National, the Hockey League, the Junior Hockey League. Oh, was, okay. Wow. He, he did so many things. My uncle Johnny was implicated in a lot of things in, around, like, the whole province and around the whole country. Uh, he was the political kind of guy, like, you know, getting his fingers and everything into every pie that was possible, you know? And, and, yeah. and then it was my father. My father, Jacques, was completely the opposite. My father was the tough guy of the family. Now, my father was the tough one. He was like six foot yeah. four, 240 pounds. My, uh, my, my, my uncle, Johnny, he owned a nightclub in Montreal called the Macambo, where Tina Turner, okay. Chubby Checker, and all those great American superstars, they'd come and entertain in Montreal. And, and my uncle Johnny owned that place, the Macambo, but my father was the doorman. He was the ah. man, he was working at the door. So if ever there was the, yeah. all these Marines that used to come from around the world, they come up St. Lawrence River and they'd get to Montreal and they hadn't seen a woman in 25 days. And then they'd come to the <laughs> nightclub and sometimes they'd get carried away with a little bit of beer and stuff. And there were tough yeah. guys in there. And my father was the one who had to keep them in line there, you know? So my, my yeah. father was also the champion in Golden Gloves boxing. My father was a champion. Oh, of wow. Golden Gloves. Yeah, so my father was a real tough guy. So whenever my, yeah. uncle Johnny, my uncle Johnny, who owned the business in Montreal when I was like four, five, six years old, he uh, he would also he would very often have some problems in, in the in the company where either a wrestler wouldn't want to drop the title or he or he wanted a raise in money at the last minute, you know. And then mm -hmm. and then they, they, my uncle Johnny would call my father, very humble, very quiet, and he'd say, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, Jacques, you know." Uh, 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 Dick Taylor doesn't want to drop the belt tonight at the forum. There's 20,000 people. He said, and he says, would you have a talk with him? You know, and then my father would <laughs> early and he'd go talk to him a little bit and believe, and, and you know, my father was, was my idol all my life, but he was such a yeah. tough guy. And, 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 you know, I knew that from reputation around home and, but, mm. but I knew that more than that. I knew that when I traveled the world, because when mm -hmm. I traveled the world with the WWF, uh, a lot of the places we go in Japan or everywhere around the world, uh, we'd be the night of an event where there's 20,000 people. There was always those old timers that would come in the dressing room and they'd always come up to me and they'd say, uh, you know, uh, your father was Jock. Huh? I say, yeah, yeah, he's a tough guy. You know, he's a tough guy, you know, and that was in Japan. <laughs> was in... So his reputation of my dad was made, you know. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, yeah so, so I've been brought up since I was a kid in wrestling. That's That's been my whole life, actually. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, when you uh, got trained by your dad, uh, and then you went Raymond, to work. Raymond, Raymond. trained by Raymond, Pierre Lefebvre also. Pierre Lefebvre. Okay, Pierre Lefebvre. Yeah, Pierre Lefebvre trained me a lot, you know, so. Now, did you start out in, uh, in Stu Hart's Calgary Stampede? 
Well, you know, I did a lot of backyard wrestling before that. You know, I uh, okay. like at the age of 15, I actually started wrestling at the age of six in the backyard and around the pool. <laughs> you know, All but, right, yeah. Uh, wearing a sheet on my head and acting like I was the Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher imitating them. But but I uh, but I officially started at a ring when I was about 15 or 16 years old. And there was as little places as it was 40 people, four people, 10 people. But, you know, in, a, in little, little, little places, around my 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 home and I, and I did a lot of amateur things like that that were put together less and, and I learned a little bit there but my first territory was too hard definitely yes what was that like for you working there I mean you probably learned a lot because I've I've heard a lot of stories about Stu and and uh you learn you his... learn not to go downstairs in the basement yes you know what? At the time, it's so funny because Brett was driving the bus at the time. He wasn't even a wrestler. And then okay. and, and I remember coming back from Saskatoon one night. We had a 12-hour trip on, on, on Thursday night coming from Saskatoon back to uh, to Calgary because it was Stampede Wrestling on Friday night in Calgary. And, and we had an all-night drive to do, and Brett was driving the bus one night, and, and we oh. hit a moose. We hit a moose on the way. Oh, back. no. <laughs> so I guess he started, he started to take bumps and thumps there, you know. And, uh, <laughs> before, but he was refereeing the matches. He was setting up the ring. And, uh, and, and you know, and it's, it was magic because it was my first territory. And, you know, mm -hmm. Stu Hart was one of the guys that had a lot of respect for my dad. And, and so mm -hmm. when I got there, you know, even before seeing me in the ring or anything, he, he showed me so much respect. On Sundays, you know, we had a day off. He'd, he'd invite me at his home. I thought because he liked me, and then I realized because he wanted to take me down in the basement. But, uh, <laughs> but, but but he'd have me over for dinner at his house with the hundred cats in the house and all his twenty-seven kids, you know. And uh, yeah. but 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 it was amazing, you know. I, I and yes, I I learned so much because it was my first official professional territory. You know, you had okay. guys like Kazavubu, John Foley, Patty Ryan. You had. Uh, uh, Hubert Gallin, you had, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, big guys, guys that knew how to wrestle yeah. that were professional. So, yeah. so I, I hope uh, Oke okay, Sakina, uh, what was his name? Oke Sakina and John Foley. And anyway, a lot of the guys that were veterans yeah. in the business. So Norman Frederick, Charles III. I don't know if you ever heard that name. But uh, but, no, but anyway, they're, they're yeah. veterans. I'm old. So, you know, yeah. those guys were older. <laughs> than you, that's why you don't know them. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so, so when you go and you have a chance to work with these guys in the territory and, and, and you're just, a, I was just like a, a one month old in the business, you know, professionally in the yeah. big league. So it was, so it was amazing. I, 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 I did learn a lot. I really. Yeah. After working in Calgary, uh, when did you get your push to go to the WWF? When did that happen? You know, you know, I got that push by working hard over the years. You know, I start, when I started in Calgary, you know, I, I, won't, I won't be lying to you. I was about 180 pounds. And I was yeah. like, uh, my, my father and my, my friends and family at home, they call me Bones. I was about six foot three and I was 180 <laughs> pounds. And they call me Bones. And, and, and my dad kept telling me, no, 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 you're not going. You're not ready. And, and, but I was stubborn. And, you know, so, yeah. so, so, I went to, so I went to see my mom and I told her, I said, mom, you need to lend me $500 and I promise I'll give it back to you. And so I went against my father's will, but, but, I, <laughs> but it was a story of my life. I, I've, I've always like challenged the things that I wasn't supposed to or I couldn't do. And, and, yeah. and, and so I went from territory in 1977, I was there and then 70, 78. Then again, my dad came and my father came in the conversation when I told him that I was, I had an invitation to go to Mexico City to wrestle. 
And then my father told me, don't do that. Just don't do that. <laughs> You'll see. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. And yeah. so I went. And uh, <laughs> so then I went to Kansas City. And then I went to Nashville for Nick Doolis, riding up the road with Dutch Mantel, Randy Savage, and Angelo Popo's oh, wow. father. And, and you know, I, I, I told Joey, um, what was the other guy? Gypsy Joe and the... Uh, and all those those guys. So so, I, and then I went to Kansas City for Bob Daigle and Bob Brown. And uh, I did a. I went to Tennessee for the Fullers. I went to Pensacola for the Fullers. I went for the Grahams in Florida. Then I ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, for Ole yeah. Anderson and uh, Dusty Rhodes. And then working for that was a, one of the one of the greatest breaks I had at those times because I was seen on yeah. TBS every week. And, and TBS mm. wasn't like contrary to all the other territories that you'd be seen locally in, in every state, in, in your own state. And when you were at TBS, you'd be seen from Boston to, to Los Angeles. You'd be seen every weekend yeah. you know, on Saturdays and Sundays. So so, yeah. so so I had a chance to work with Ric Flair then. I was like very young and a lot of guys. So 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 you make your chance and your opportunities. You know, it's like by, by yeah. grinding and, and going on the road and I even had to change my name at one point. I was getting bad, so uh, beat so bad. I, my name was Jerry Roberts, but I was getting beat so bad that the boys would call me Jerry Jobber. But uh, <laughs> but it was okay, you know. It was okay because every time I, I I went into the ring, I learned. When I went to Mexico, I learned how to do those backflips and those. I, I, everything was good for me where I went somewhere. And then you yeah. have to learn. There's a lot more than that. A lot of people think you just go to learn the business, but, but no, you you got to learn the outside of the business. You got to yeah. learn the. Uh, it's time to put your foot down to say no to the promoter. It's time to 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 stand up for yourself. It's time to say, well, if you don't give me what I want, then I'm leaving. You know, even though you don't want to leave because you have nowhere to go. You know, there's yeah. a lot of bluffing and a lot of hard working outside in the ring to 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 yeah. make it in the business in that era anyway in those days. Do you ever wonder what would happen if? Well. If if you give a dad a podcast. I'm what you call a nerdy fan. I nerd out at this stuff. Hardcore. You'll hear me talk about anime on here. You'll hear me talk about Power Rangers. You'll hear me talk about wrestling on here. Okay. I had an axe handle with a twisted T on it. <laughs> right after that <laughs> twisted T video went viral. And man, they went out and grabbed it and smacked the dude in the head with it. It was so... That's great. I'd like to think of this podcast as a nostalgia moment for me. It's a show where I can talk about whatever I want. I'm a, I'm a human animal chiropractor. There was a picture of me. It looked like I was on the side of a ramen box over in China. But... So I took my kids with me to Comic-Con. I thought that was really cool. Well, I don't know how I should listen to this podcast. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> you like, and then Robert said this. If you give a dad a podcast, available now on all podcasting platforms. Right. Yeah. 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 I. I just remember you when you were. It was probably. I don't know. Eight mid eighties. When you came to WW with your brother Raymond and you were the Rougeau brothers. And I just can remember you guys coming in all happy, waving the the flags. And, and mm-hmm. what 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 was that experience? I mean, you're national. I mean, you were at the TBS, but you were on national now with your brother. So what what was that like? I mean, well, national was something to TBS and all that, but when you became worldwide with the WWF, that was a different story. Our first the tour yeah. that we did was in Australia, 
You know, so, okay. so 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 it was like this is different now. You were in a different league here. We're around yeah. the world, noticed around the world, and mm -hmm. uh, and and, and I, it was great to be. Uh, I remember coming in the first year in 1986 in in, a, in New York to meet Vince and all that. And one of the first matches I had in New York, Madison Square Garden, was against the Iron Sheik. And you could go see mm -hmm. that on YouTube. You could go see Jacques yeah. Rougeau versus the Iron Sheik, and 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 I got a win over the Iron Sheik, who just lost. The WWF World Title to Bob Backlund, so that was uh, that was fun. But 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 then as we worked hard, Raymond and I, I consider ourselves as great workers. I, mm -hmm. uh, at that time, we had a lot of experience and we knew the business. And the and and uh, but but we were we were French Canadians, and that played yeah. against us. You know that played against us because no American wants to have a French Canadian as a hero. You know, not in those days. They wanted to, Americans want to have a hacksaw Jim Duggan as a you know a hero. Or, or, you know, they want to have Americans like Hulk Hogan. They, yeah. they, they they're very patriotic. You know, you guys are very patriotic, and they, you've always yeah. been. And and uh, so 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 when Vince came up with the idea of us turning heels for the yes. first time and getting yeah. the flags and, and starting to laugh at you guys, like you know, wishing you a great Memorial Day when it was Independence Weekend, you know, mixing up the, <laughs> the, the, the saying that, hey, we just moved to Memphis, you know, and we love America, you know, and, and you know, people knew it wasn't sincere, you know, and, yeah. uh, and so that created a great ton of heat, you know, and then plus we, we had the luxury, and I'm saying the, the luxury of having Jimmy Hart as our manager, because Jimmy yes. Hart, he, he did our famous song, one of the most famous songs in the WWF up till now, you know, is uh, All American Boys. And uh, so Jimmy uh, <laughs> composed that. And and, uh, and and so so it was a great, great time uh, for yeah. Raymond and I and uh, and so much great matches with the Rockers, with the Hart Foundations. And, yeah. you know, and we toured the world. I wrestled the world the Hart Foundation for four years. I wrestled the Hart Foundation, Jim D'Anvil Nightheart with Bret Hart, with Jimmy Hart as their mm -hmm. manager for two years when we were baby faces. And then we yeah. switched heels and they switched baby face. So then we started another two years around the world, but we had Jimmy <laughs> Hart as our manager. So, so you know, four years I did with these guys and then the Rockers yeah. came and then different guys came in. So it was a great time, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Did you want to turn heel? Did you were excited about it, or was it you were like a little hesitant because you guys were baby faces? I'm pretty sure most of your career up to that point. I was thinking of my uncle Johnny there. He was in his grave. I was wondering if he was going to be turning in his grave when he found out that we turned heels because we worked on the Rougeau name so, so all these years, you know, like 75 yeah. years of reputation of the Rougeau brothers and family. That uh, that uh, so so we took a little bit of. It took us a little, like a 24 hours before we gave the answer to Vince. We asked him a little bit of time to, to just regroup and to see, hey, you know, me and Raymond, we went to the hotel room and we talked that night. Like, you know, we're in a position right now, Raymond, where the we're having great, great matches. Like every time we come out to the crowd, it was like, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, the Rougeau brothers. And then at the end of the match was, wow, what a match, what a match. But we had to, mm -hmm. we had to win them every night. It didn't come naturally. You know, yeah. and, and, and then so we were at a point where Vince, he wasn't drawing any money with us. He, we were mm -hmm. doing a great show. We were entertaining the right. people like crazy, but we weren't drawing any money. And that's not mm -hmm. what Vince wanted. Vince wants to draw right. money. So 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 yeah. so when he when he came up to us and said, guys, we're like out of a we're like at a kind of a dead end here now. Like, you know, it's a, if you guys, if we don't turn you heel or something like that, you know, we may have to give you guys a break or something and let you go. So, so then we said, okay, let's try it. What the hell? You know, the way I, he, he killed every territory that existed. So, you know, if, if you weren't, in the, <laughs> if you weren't in the WWF, you weren't nowhere. So, so, yeah. so, so, so we decided, but once we took a taste of it and 
God knows it didn't take long. I started yeah. having some fun with that stuff, like yeah. really getting the fans pissed off. And and we yeah. had and, and the fabulous Rouge brothers had so much heat going to yeah. contrary to going to the ring and having to win the people over every match, we'd come out of the curtains with those little American flags and they wanted to kill us. You know, it was like <laughs> right of, so 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 it was a, yeah. it was a great, great, great experience. Yeah, I can yeah, I remember that when you guys turned, I was like shocked. I was like, I can't believe these guys are turning. Uh, <laughs> but I was a kid, you know, and, and it worked. Uh, you guys did great. Now, later on, uh, while you were there, uh, you know, you guys, you and Raymond, I, wh whatever happened, the Rougeaus were kind of just kind of split up. And, and well, Raymond, I know Raymond, Raymond became a commentator. And yeah, Raymond quit. Well, you know, we weren't too pleased with the fact that uh, we'd been waiting in line so long to get the belts. And, you know, and, and then the brain buster just came in, Arn Anderson and uh, Tully Blanchard, and they just came right in front of us and they grabbed the belts. And we were at a time where we'd been giving four years of our time, working hard every night. And uh, uh, we even had marathon matches with the Rockers, like one-hour matches. We were having them. Mm -hmm. One day we had a, a one-hour match in, in, in England. And then we took a flight, came back to the States and worked another hour match in Philly the same day, like a two one hour match. Oh we, we, we gave ourselves, we gave ourselves heart and soul. And we thought it was yeah. our time now to take the belts and get a run. And when these guys, for a political reason, uh, they came in with Bobby Enon and they just passed in front of us. It was like, we just lost interest. Like Raymond said, okay, that's it. Like we had enough now. So yeah. Raymond retired. And, and that's when I, Vince called me back a year later to become the Mountie. Let's talk about the Mountie. One of he my favorite characters. This, he always gets his man. <laughs> he, one of my favorite characters. Uh, again, you were with Jimmy Hart. Um, one <clears> was, <throat> you know, you did it so naturally. It's almost like you were, you did the job as a Canadian Mountie when you were, your prior life or something. I mean, it was so good. Uh, how did you come up with that character? And, and no, Vince, Vince, Vince came up with the character. I came up, I came up with the shock stick. But, okay. uh, but, but uh, so it was a combination there. And I came up with Jimmy Hart as my manager because okay. I, when Vince, when Vince called me back, I said, you know, after working with Jimmy, you know, he's so professional. I, uh, mm -hmm. I told him, I said, I knew that the, the, he was saying that the, that this gimmick would get over, that he would give it a good push. And then, so, uh, so I said, well, okay, I want Jimmy Hart as my manager. That would be one of my conditions to come back because Jimmy Hart, yeah. if you, if you talk about Jimmy Hart, he is one of the, he he's a goat. He's like he's the best best manager in the whole business. And you know people are gonna say that. Of course, Jacques, you're gonna say that he was your manager two times. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm gonna explain mm -hmm. myself so people know why, so I could back up my Please. words. Jimmy Hart is the best manager in the world because he was the only manager, the only mm -hmm. one that would come on the screen, and he and 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 he wouldn't say like all the other managers would come in and say. Let me tell you something. I got the brains to do this. I got this. I got that. I'm smart. I know what to do. I got money. I... Jimmy Hart was the only manager who would never, never, never once talk about himself. It was always, let me tell you something about my man. Let me tell you something about my man. Let me tell It was always putting the heat and the interest and the credibility on his character that was with him. And, and, and so for a guy who works with him, what a yeah. it's like what a great thing you know he's he never never so so we would have to say we got the greatest manager you know because he would never talk about himself and you know yeah. i go in comic cons today i sign autographs around the world still today i go yeah. to comic cons and you should yeah. see the line in front of jimmy hart's 
desk yeah. when he's sitting there because so so he's really one of the best. So so when I came in as the Mountie, I wanted to have Jimmy Hart as my manager again. Another thing yeah. too, why I wanted to have Jimmy Hart as my manager is because he was like me. He was an anti-club, nightclub, anti-drugs, anti-alcohol. Yeah. And, you know, so we were business. We, when we were on the road, we were business, always dressed nice, always on time, always credible, always yeah. reliable. So so when we land in places, like I remember landing in London, you know, where everybody would be looking to see where they could get their drugs or get their bar that night, you know, we'd be looking for a Toys R Us to go see where the our, our, our dolls were. Or, <laughs> or, 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 you know, we'd be going looking bootlegging, bootlegging shops in the underground in London, you know, or trying to find posters and pictures of the WWF that were illegal so we could frame them and bring them home, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, so, so Jimmy and I, we saw eye to eye. You know, I, I knew that every time that I had to go somewhere or be somewhere with Jimmy Hart, I'd never have to wait for him. He was always 15 yeah. minutes early. He was always, so, so Jimmy Hart, you need to understand how credible he was in this yeah. business. I met Jimmy Hart about a year ago at a local event here in Springfield. Well, in Harrison, actually. Uh, nice guy. I got a quick story for you, if you don't mind. We Please. were, I brought my son. He's, uh, he's special needs. He's autistic. Uh, <laughs> anyways. We get in line with Jimmy, and uh, he comes up. Hey, how you doing? Great, thank you. He gave us, you know, I'll sign this picture, ten bucks, whatever it was. And he goes, I'll sign this poster for free. And I said, okay. Uh, so I paid him. And then he goes, you want to take a picture? Yeah. I said, okay, bub, that's my son. You take the picture. Oh no, 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 no. You both get in here. This is all a complete package deal. You know, because sometimes some people want they want extra. Yeah. If you got somebody yeah. else, Jimmy's like, no. Get him in here. Such a nice guy. I talked to my son for a few minutes, and he was just over overjoyed with – he loved it. So Jimmy is a great guy. You know, just to come back to what you were saying, you know, for, for – for, uh, I had my own business in Montreal after I left the WWF in 96 and 97. Uh, and I had my own professional business, my wrestling organization. And you mm -hmm. know that at my wrestling school, I taught to, I taught to uh, special kids and autistics. And I made them wrestle in front of 5,000 people, 11,000 people, 10,000 people. Oh, wow. I, I brought them to live their dream. So I've always been very close yeah. to those kids. I just want you to know that. Yeah. I have, Thank have you very much. Place. They have a that, special place in my heart. Yeah, that means a lot to me. Thank you very much. No, he's, a, he's 28 years old. But he's a great kid. I call him a kid. He's not a kid. They're the best. But, you know, he, They're the best. They're the, there's no gray yeah. zone. Black or white. No. They like you yeah. or they don't. They, yeah. they, they, they're the best. You know, I'm yeah. going to tell you something that's very special. I'll take a second to tell you sure. this. You bet. You know, there's normal people here. Mm. And there's autistic people here. Special kids there. I should be around here somewhere in the middle. So, so, so I identify myself very well with those kids. Very, very yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Like you said, it's black or white. They like it or they don't. So, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I mean, okay. Let's get so, back to the Mountie here. We're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Mountie. Let's so, you did the, the Mountie. Big boss man who went to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did the Mountie, which was a great character. And then. You formed a tag team called the Quebecers. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you remember oh. that jailhouse match? That jailhouse match? Yeah, I do remember. Let's talk about it then. Let's talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, that night I had to spend in jail, you know, because Big Boss Man, <laughs> the loser. Do you remember that match? It was a paper. Yeah, I do game. remember. Yeah, actually, I do remember. Yeah. That was that was amazing to work that with Big Boss Man. And I got to tell you something else about the Mountie. I just want to finish with this. You sure. know that the you know that the Mounties in Canada. A lot of people ask me how come, Jacques? Because 
because when I took the belt from Brett, I only took mm -hmm. it for two days to switch it to Piper. Right. You know, it was yeah. I was the you know, I was the shortest reign champion two days. You know, Intercontinental yeah. champion. But you know, at that time, Vince was having a lot of pressure from the Mounties in Canada, the real Mounties, and they took a an injunction, a lawsuit against the WWF because I was giving such a bad image to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So they oh banned me. From, so they banned me from Canadian TV. They really did. So that's why my character wow. didn't last long. So that's why my character didn't last long. So so there's a good way to look at it and a bad way to look at it. The, the, the bad way to look at it, it didn't last long enough. But the good way yeah. to look at it is I was doing a great job. <laughs> you know, if they banned you me. You got a lot TV. of heat. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I See, I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I want to tell you about a new podcast out called Fowls Count Anywhere. It is a classic pro wrestling podcast that brings you the legends of wrestling with true wrestling fans Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. They bring on guests that are legends in this business as well as wrestlers of today, promoters, referees, you name it. They have them on there, folks, and I encourage you to listen to them if you're on YouTube, watch them. They drop every Saturday, they have their podcast, and they drop it in the afternoon. So look forward to that podcast coming out. Falls Count Anywhere podcast with Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. Folks, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. And enjoy the podcast. Quebecers. <laughs> you yes. switched to Quebecers. Then you win the tag team title three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was the... I guess the difference between, and I'll be honest, I, and I don't mean any offense by that, but I thought you're you and be, your brother You're going to be honest? You're going to be honest? <laughs> your brother was, I thought you and your brother were better. That's my opinion. I mean, okay. I respect no that. disrespect, no disrespect. To, no, I respect that. I respect that. But it was a different era. Yeah. It was a, it was a different kind of team. You know, me and Raymond, we were good technicians, smart wrestlers, knew how to get the heat behind the referee's back where the referee would never see us cheat. So that would yeah. really put a lot of heat on us. Carl and I, we were more like killers. We came yeah. in with those big devastating moves off the top rope and, and, and Carl was like a big bulldozer that I'd, that I'd throw around. And I did. So, so it was a different kind of wrestling. And, and, I, yeah. I, and you know what? Uh, if they ask me to, which, which one did I like working with most, like, you know, my brother or Carl, I would have to say I enjoyed working with my brother a lot because you know there's yeah. nothing thicker than blood, or, you know. And then, yeah. but 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 Carl was amazing too, you know. Yeah. Like I said, it was amazing, and we uh, and I'll never forget the time that uh, we came at WrestleMania 10 and we wrestled the Men on a Mission, moms there, the big moms, and Mabel yeah. was just such a nice guy. And you know, we used yeah. to play cards when we'd go overseas in the buses when we travel. We play cards, me and him, all the time. And then yeah. and. Uh, but he was such a nice guy. And then I came up to him when we were playing cards one night and I said, hey, we were getting close to WrestleMania 10. And I told him, I said, Mabel, I'd like to do something, you know, with Carl. And I, and, and, and Carl and I, we told him, I said, we'd like to double suplex you. Like, you know, give you a double suplex. Oh. 
And yeah. we did that in the match, you know, and he had never he's, left his feet. He'd never left yeah, his feet. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's 640 guy. pounds. And we got him Woo! up there for the double suplex. If you go check back the tapes of WrestleMania 10, you'll see the double suplex. We missed it the first time, and then we just regrouped with the adrenaline <laughs> of being at WrestleMania, and we just got him up there. And uh, wow. so, 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 so Carl was different. It was really, a, it was a good time also. It really was. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean no disrespect to the man. I mean, you guys were a great team. Obviously, you won the belts three times. But I just, I never could figure out why you guys ever won the belts when you were with your brother. But you kind of explained that. So I I, I, I get it. It's, yeah, politics. It's, it's, but, but, you know, you're not the only one. Everywhere yeah. I go, I mean, everywhere I go, people. And, you yeah. know, I don't want to bring it up myself. You know, it's some pretty embarrassing. But I got to tell you that uh, go everywhere ahead. I go in Comic-Cons and everywhere I go sign autographs, people will ask me, you know, like, how come you guys are not in the Hall of Fame? Like, yeah, I was going to. Yeah. And, Why aren't and, you in the Hall of Fame? And, and, you know, I think, Vince, you know, we had a big fight, me and Vince, over the years. And we never made up. And uh, And I know it's political because. The biggest angles I did with Big Boss Man, with the Hart Foundation, with the Rockers, with the Tito Santana, with the Bret Hart again in singles, they're all there. Everybody that I work with, yeah. they're all there. So I'm saying yeah. them, the, you know, the Steiners and everybody that I work with. I mean, everybody that I work long yeah. angles, like six months, a year, two years, four years, that I entertain 20,000 people per night, 25 nights a month around the world. Yeah. They're all in the Hall yeah. of Fame. And, yeah. and, and so, I, so I, know, I, I know it's personal, but I'm saying maybe one day Vince will turn the page and get over it. Or maybe yeah. the fans will, will get together and the fans will start asking for us to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I think over for the uh, for the 10 years, 11 years that I was in the WWF, entertaining everybody at 100 miles an hour, 100% every night, yeah. and, 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 and performing to my best and, and really getting the crowd up on their feet and doing what I had to do. I, I think yeah. there's a little, little, little place for me in the Hall of Fame there. I think so. Oh, I'll be honest. Uh, I I thought you were already in there. I really did. But, uh, you know, fans, if you're listening or watching, we got to get out behind Jacques and his brother, Raymond. That'd be for awesome. Sure, That'd and, be awesome. And, and push these guys, you know. Vince you, know why, Brian, you know why, Brian? You know, I'll tell you why, Brian, they got to do that. Because, you know, this will be the only time that the Mountie didn't get his man. That's right. <laughs> and I got to tell you, uh, well-deserved and well-overdue. I mean, there's he's turned the page on other people that have gotten in that Hall of Fame. I mean, Ultimate Warrior was one of them. You know, uh, I just, yeah. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just saying, fans, we're going to push it. Because Jacques, underappreciated, in my opinion. And I know that everyone that's in the Hall of Fame deserves to be there. I'm not taking that Oh, away. yeah. Well, may no, maybe no. not Donald Trump, but anyway, all I have to say that, <laughs> but 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 there's but but, uh, but everybody, there's a lot of great workers. You know, there's yeah. there's two this year that are going to be put in there. Uh, uh, Steve Kern, I think uh, Steve, no Bobby Eaton, Bobby Eaton. Uh, what what a great guy! I'm so happy for him. Uh, he, it's too bad that he's not there anymore to to, right. to receive it. You know, he's yeah. but 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 uh, there's a lot of great guys. I'm oh, not. I'm not the only no. one, so, uh, so I'll just take a number, and hopefully one day it'll happen. Well, I hope so, too. It's overdue, long for sure. A couple more questions for you. I want to know who was one of – you talked about a few people, but who was, like, the one of your most favorite people to work with, either as an opponent in the ring 
or as a tag team. I mean, your your brother Raymond, pretty obviously, easy. and Carl. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. You know, uh, I got to go with Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man. Big Boss you know, Man. Big Boss Man. You know, night after night after night, we worked together and we just killed each other in that ring. And uh, and I got to say also, although Jim the Anvil Night Art was a little stiff, it was the Heart Foundation was really fun to work with. I enjoyed yeah. working with Brett very much with my brother Raymond and uh, and Brett in the singles. I enjoyed that. Tito Santana. I love to work with Tito Santana. He was yeah. just a nice and good guy in the ring. He would never hurt you. You know, there's yeah. some of those guys that you work with in the ring that are real wrestlers, guys that would go in the ring. And if you, we go to do a move and, and we're in midair in the move and, 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 and it could happen to anybody that you lose your balance or something. Well, the, yeah. the real wrestler is going to make sure that you still fall straight and he falls crooked. The one that's in control will take the bad fall instead of, getting back his balance and throwing you crooked, you know, and him right. falling. So, so that's when you see a real good wrestler, a wrestler that you want to work with night after night because you're giving yeah. yourself your body in there. And, you know, yeah. and if you have a guy who takes care of your body and th th yeah. that makes it, that makes it the whole world, you know, the, the... yeah, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about your business, your wrestling Academy. Yeah, that's awesome. Let, let's talk about that. You know, I did some research on it. You've got a thing going on right now, uh, and I will put it in here. Uh, you know what? Why don't we just go ahead, Brian, and show the video to tease the people in. So try to show the video here of QT uh, Marshall, what he has to say. All right, let's, let's talk. Year. This is the second year of Wrestling Academy. Let's let's, let's roll this video. Let's, let's, let me look at it real quick. I got to just give me a second here. I got to pull it up. And we will definitely get it going here. This is and, amazing. Uh, okay. Can you see it, Jacques? I see it. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Okay, here we go. Wrestling Academy 2023, this is QT Marshall, and I am standing on one of the very rings here at the Nightmare Factory that three winners will have the opportunity to train in for 12 weeks alongside myself, the other coaches, Daddy S., AEW star and WWE Hall of Famer Billy Gunn and the winner of the 2023 WWE Royal Rumble, the man that will headline WrestleMania, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Now, in addition to the 12-week training, of course, the cash prize of $10,000 will go in your pocket as well. But it seems like every time I make one of these videos, I always like to up the ante. And this one is no different. But this one will also help me achieve a personal goal. I've never wrestled in Montreal, Canada, and after a lot of talks, Jacques Rougeau and myself, you see, we've made a deal. Now for the semi-finalists, while you won't make it to the finals, there is a consolation prize. So I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is one of you will be chosen to step in the ring at the finals to go one-on-one -on -one with QT Marshall. And it's funny I said good news because the bad news is the exact same thing. You're going to step in the ring with QT Marshall. There's only one way for me to truly see if you have what it takes. And that's for you to go one-on-one -on -one with the former God's gift and beat me in the middle of the ring. So semi-finalists, get ready. Finalists, get ready. I am excited to come back to Montreal. I am literally chomping at the bit, standing in the ring, just waiting. So Wrestling Academy 2023, while last year was incredible, 
I already feel it this year. It's going to be astronomical. Um, there it is. So where, where, where do I start, Brian? You better say something fast before I start talking. Hey, I just want to know how this got how this got started. Your partnership with the Nightmare Factory, and the prize money that you're giving away for these contestants that make it so far in. Tell, just tell us how this all started and how this came about. This is almost a miracle, you know. Like you know, I'm I'm 63 years old and I'm still living my passion like crazy, yeah. you know. I, 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 and this started with my girlfriend, me and my girlfriend, like you know, a couple of years back. And uh, there was this competition in Quebec for this singing competition, you know, and it was called uh, uh, Star Academy, Star, uh, Star Academy. And, and, and the winner of Star Academy of a Quebec singer, male or female, would end up going to the Bell Center to sing side by side with Celine Dion. You know, oh, okay. so so that was so so I looked at that and, and then I was saying like, wow, and then I've been doing podcasts for a couple of years, you know, during COVID and stuff, just doing nothing and have all these entertainers come into my podcast. And and there with the winner of the, the, the Star Academy, she came into my podcast and I start looking at her and then my girlfriend and I start thinking, wow, what if we did that with wrestling? You know, like yeah. so we so we went to the Club Soda in Montreal last year. I started getting sponsors. We got four sponsors of five thousand dollars. And then wow. we had judges. We had judges by the ring. And then mm -hmm. we had. I asked through across Canada. I sent messages to all the Indies federations. Mm -hmm. If you want to participate in this thing, uh, you get, there's four winners that are going to win five thousand dollars. Plus, I had got the number for QT Marshall's wrestling school, and I didn't know QT, so I called them up out of nowhere, and I just mm -hmm. out of the blues there, cold call, like, you know, like, hi, Mr. Marshall, this is Jacques Rougeau, and, you know, and we started talking, and I have this contest, and and he says, sure, man, he says, you know, so I said, QT, I said, Mr. I said, Mr. Marshall, I said, what I want <laughs> is one day, I just want one day, so my four winners of $5,000 this year that are coming from Canada, from Nova Scotia all the way to Vancouver, the inscriptions okay. are coming in, so we had we paid the plane tickets in, we paid the hotels, and, and so I wow. said the only thing I want is there's going to be four winners of five thousand, but I'd like to give them a taste of international a little bit. So I said I'd like yeah. to take them to Atlanta to your school and spend one day, just one day, and I would like for you to take them in and treat them like they were superstars, like to see how good they are in the ring, to wrestle with them and do have them do an interview and see if they have potential. You know, to yeah. maybe make it to the big league. So he says, Mr. Rougeau, he says, I'd be pleased to do that. So so here's the funny thing. I got to tell you, Brian, this is funny. Yeah. There's so many things I have to say. I, You know, I use my notoriety. So I, I, I started doing podcasts around yeah. the world. Like I was talking to Zashman in Australia. I was talking in England. I was talking and telling them about Wrestling Academy in Canada and this competition. Yeah. And, and so the next thing, you know, I've been doing podcasts for about a couple of months now. And I'm doing a bunch of them. You know, and yeah. then finally, so then finally I get a, a message from QT Marshall that says, uh, Mr. Rougeau, you got to call me. So I'm going like, oh, shit. I hope I didn't do something <laughs> wrong. I hope I didn't do anything wrong, you know. So he tells me, gets me on the phone. He says, listen, he says, he says, Mr. Rougeau, he says, what are you doing? I says, what do you mean? What am I doing? He says, my phone at the Nightmare Factory is red. He says, I'm getting calls from everywhere. People are seeing you talk about the nightmare factory. So, so I was thinking, he said, instead of giving them one day, he says, why don't we give them one week at the nightmare wow. factory? So I said, wow. So I put that on my group chat, you know, all the wrestlers that were in yeah. the group chat that were part of the thing. And so yeah. they went berserk. They went crazy. They were so happy. So here I am, keep on going, doing podcasts and podcasts. And about six months later, 
he calls me up again and he sends me a video. And in the video, he just sends to me, he says, hey, I heard Jacques Rougeau doing a podcast tonight with Nick Podcast in Montreal. He says, I just want to say good luck to the winners. It's coming shortly now. And I just want to let you know that we're going to be giving you three months at the Nightmare Factory. And I went, wow. my, my jaw just fell down like three months. I said, holy shit, three months. And then I put that on the group <laughs> chat. So then everybody went just wild. So, 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 yeah. so, so then, so then that was getting bigger and bigger on Facebook and all my, my, my social medias. And then next yeah. thing, you know, was this guy, Zashman from Australia calls me back. He said, Jock, he says, I have a toy company, you know, figurines, wrestling figurines. He says, I'd, yeah. like, to do four, I'd like to do four figurines for your winners, you know? And then the next wow. thing, you know, about one month before the show starts, the quarterfinals in Montreal at the Club Soda, all the shows were there at the Club Soda. He calls yeah. me up, QT Marshall, and he says, uh, Jock, he says, why don't you tell your winners that the four winners will be coming to wrestle on the debut of AWAAW in Toronto, the first time in Canada. I'm going to put them on the card. So, 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 so they went wow. to wrestle there. So last year, listen to this, yeah. Brian. Last year I had 41 inscriptions. I had like 940 about, anyway, I had like 19 from Canada, all over Calgary, 19, and I had 20 from my province of Quebec. So after everything happened this year and everybody won the prizes, they spend the three months at the Nightmare Factory, which I went to see in the fall, last fall. I went to see yeah. him there and all that. I had this year... I had 71 inscriptions and only like 11 from Quebec and like 60 of them from Canada because everybody passed the word out like, hey, Jacques is really legit. Yeah. He's giving the money. We're going to the Nightmare Factory for real. This is happening. So this wow. is getting... So now the video you just saw was lately where I asked, so Cutie decided to... We talked and he decided to say, Jacques, why don't we give a bonus to the semifinalists? Because last year, Cutie Marshall was on the show on a giant screen from Atlanta in the finals yeah. to choose the four winners from Atlanta from his home, but it was happening in Montreal, but he was on the giant screen to watch the whole show. And we would yeah. eliminate them as we'd go along, we'd eliminate in the finals. So after the show last year, I told Cutie, I called him the next morning. I said, Cutie, how'd you like the experience? And he says, I loved it. He says, are we doing it again this year? So now, <laughs> so, so then before I got off the phone, he said, but it's going to be different this year, Jacques. He says, when you come to see your winners in the fall at the Nightmare Factory, he yeah. says, I want you to bring all your videos, inscriptions, and I want to choose them with you this year. It's not only you, it's me and you. So he says, I want to choose the ones that were taken. And next thing, he says, I don't only want to be in the finals on the giant screen next year. I want to be there in the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals. And then he wow. just said he wants to come and wrestle in Montreal against one of the semifinals who's not going to make it because there's three winners of $10,000. <laughs> so, you know, like he's not going to make it. So the ones who are not going to make it on the last show in August this year, in the semifinals, they're going to have to wrestle cutie in september won the finals and wow. what an opportunity so this i think brian has become a pet project for 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 like yeah. QT marshall it's become we became like his baby there like you know he's like he's, mm -hmm. he's into this thing a lot and you know what yeah. are the greatest things brian i gotta tell you one of the greatest things what's that well last year when i did that deal there was billy gunn QT marshall and glazier that yeah. owned the nightmare factory and then glazier disappeared and it's cody rhodes that came in and now Cody Rhodes just won the Royal Rumble and he's going to be main event in WrestleMania. And so yeah. now you may want to show this picture that I sent you. I don't know if you got this. I, I put a picture, but it's very interesting yeah. Yeah. Talent to see this. Me, there. <laughs> you're going to have to give me a second. Yeah. Take a uh, second this is the most yeah, inspiring but thing. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I never, I never saw the, uh, I never heard but, of the, um, 
Wrestling Academy. Of, of the not yours, but the the Nightmare Factory, and uh, I was just very, I was like, this is awesome, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was amazing, and uh, I got to pull this up. It might take, take me a minute. Take your time. Take yeah, time. I, you know, there's two things. You know, there's two things that are very, very important, Brian, in yeah. in, in this business. And one of the things is being at the right place at the right time, and the other yeah. one is knowing the right people. Yeah. And now, the, my three winners of ten thousand dollars are going to the Nightmare Factory in Atlanta, and they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be uh, they're also going to be like uh, trained by the WWE Cody Rhodes, the AEW yeah. Billy Gunn. And then the the, yeah. the QT Marshall AEW. So we're talking yeah. about three superstars that are going to be training. So the so so what I'm saying that you got to uh, you got to be trained, being at the right place at the right time, and knowing the right people. Everything's happening for the, the yeah. participants this year in Wrestling Academy. Yeah. All right. Have, I think I got it. Picture, huh? Yeah, I got it now. I think I got it. There's the picture. Uh, let Can me you see, see it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it. Try to get it bigger there. So, yeah, we don't see the picture. Uh, I'm trying. Trying to get it's, it a little uh, bigger. I'm trying. It ain't want to cooperate. It, it, Would be very good. It's just awesome. Anyways, it is. Awesome. It is. It is awesome. It is a good picture. Three, you, you see the three guys there that are there, yep. and it says who Billy Gunn, yeah, Cody, and QT Marshall. And, Those three. And who will be trained by the best? <laughs> yeah, that so is amazing. So when I send that, so you can bring back the picture, Brian. So you can bring okay. back our chat. So so when yep. I send that to the group chat, this picture mm -hmm. that my girlfriend made, because my girlfriend's having fun now. She's doing all kinds of stuff there to, to inspire everybody. <laughs> so when I put that on today, a bunch of people just shared it. Like, you know, they're yeah. saying, hey, like, you know, how, you're going to be trained by a guy from WWE, from two guys from AEW. And like I said, being at the right place at the right time, knowing the right people. And you know, my four yeah. winners last year, they spent three months at the Nightmare Factory. One of them, Jeremy Prophet, one of my close friends from Montreal, he was a student of mine, like when he was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. He told me when he got back from there, he says, Jacques, he says, I wrestled in the Carolinas and the floor in Florida. I wrestled in the Georgia everywhere. I made contacts. And so they made a lot of contacts. And, yeah. and so what a great, great, and, and you know, to be trained by, these specialists, I'm calling these these specialists, these teachers that have been in yeah. the business and succeeded. It's not like being trained by a by, by a wrestler who's never made it in the big leagues, because right. you know you, there's so like I said before, there's so much to learn more than just taking bumps and thumps in the ring. You know, it's like <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta learn how to behave in the dressing room. You gotta learn how to to be nice to the people. You gotta learn to be. There's a lot of things that you gotta learn. Uh, yeah. diplomacy and the, so so when you talk when you get trained by these guys who've been there and done that then yeah. it makes it, it gives you a great great opportunity yeah i mean that is an amazing opportunity um you know your academy i did i looked at your website and you've got a lot of endorsements from a lot of yeah. legends <laughs> hey, warlord yeah. ronnie garvin haku uh, i could there's Rick like Flair, Rick Flair. Yeah, Rick Flair. There's Undertaker, like 20 guys on Undertaker, there. Yeah. Undertaker. Wait, Bret yeah. Hart. We got Bret them Hart. all. Everybody that wrestled, yeah. even I, I want to take a second, just one second to say sure. I'm so sorry about the news of Lanny Poffel. He was a good yeah. friend of mine. And he he endorsed my show. If you go there, you'll see a yeah. video of Lanny Poffel. But the Ricky yeah. Dragon Steamboat did it. You know, there's so many guys that believe in this project, and it's amazing. Yeah. So if you have a chance, people, 
Go on wrestling-academy.ca. You'll be able to put the website, I'm sure, at the bottom of your screen eventually. I will. And, I and will. put it in French also, because sometimes in English it has a hard time getting in there. So it's Lut Academy, okay. like my shirt here. Lut Academy. Yeah, so it's lutacademy.ca. You can put the both addresses in English and French because what you can do, Brian, what is amazing about this website that we have is like you could go see last year's competition. Yep. Like you could go check it out. So if you go yep. check out the competition last year, and by the way, which is full of mistakes because it was my first time producing, so it's horrible in production. But the content ah. is good. All the wrestlers yeah. are good and everything's good. Yeah. But this year, it's going to be a lot better in the production. But you wait yeah. till you see the talent that subscribed this ah. year. You go on the website, Brian. You see the picture of all the talent that's there now. You yeah. can just click on their picture. And then you can yep. see a video of them in the ring and talking too, like a 30-second video. So you'll get to yeah. know all the contestants before the show starts on the 7th of yeah. May in Montreal. It is a great website and it's it's put together well. Uh, I, I checked it out the other day when we scheduled this. It is good. And I'll have it both in uh, English and French down there. Thank you. And all, Thank you so all your all your social media uh, outlets that you have, uh, your YouTube, everything. So Mr. Jacques, I appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything else you want to put out there for our fans coming up? I just want to say thank you to all the fans that supported me. I want to thank you, Brian, for people like you who got did podcasts with me and are sharing the news of Wrestling Academy. You know, we, we enough. You know, Rome wasn't built by one person and in one day. So you right. know, I thank I thank you for all the help, Brian, and just thank you, oh. thank you for putting the links. I'm I'm telling everybody, stay yeah. tuned for the biggest competition Canada's ever put together. My girlfriend and myself are responsible for yeah. that Wrestling Academy. Uh, 2023 and can't wait to see who the three winners of ten thousand dollars and they go spend three yeah. months with cody rhodes billy gunn and qt marshall at the nightmare factory in atlanta yeah. this is just going to be amazing that'd be a a wrestler that's starting out's dream is is winning that and then going to that academy for another three months of training that's just yeah i i can't even put, if i was 30 years younger i'd do it but i'm 52 hey, years me too. old I, I, almost, I almost feel like joining myself and, uh, and you know what's amazing too is what's amazing is like you're talking about as of now fifty thousand dollars of sponsorship like we have we already have it we got the thirty thousand for the three winners of ten thousand we also got twenty thousand dollars for the plane tickets coming from wow. vancouver from halifax from nova scotia from wow. winnipeg from i got them coming from all over so go check the talent out yes, they're very out. very enthused about this competition but not yeah. as much as me and qt marshall though. yeah <laughs> Jacques, thanks for coming on Mr. ladies and gentlemen mr Jacques rougeau wwe or F, going to be a Hall of Famer. We're going to push it. Check out his Academy website. And look at that. For your, my God, you're in excellent shape. You probably could win that competition if you weren't running it. I got, um, the, I got, the, I got the looks, but the stuff's there. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more time. Mr. Thank Jean you. Thanks for coming on. Folks, if you're listening, thank you. If you're watching, thank you. And if you haven't, please subscribe and we'll talk to you soon.